We're going to see that in Sefer Bamidbar there are three occasions where a question is brought to Moshe, something that's actually going to revolutionize an element of Judaism. And in each case, there is the possibility of believing that the question was also posed to others as well. Rashi treats each of the three cases differently. The Rebbe will ask why and take a very pragmatic approach to understanding the setting. Where and under what circumstances were these questions posed? Even Pasuk, in Parashas Menei Tzlavchot, let's start with the Pasuk in our parasha about the daughters of Tzlavchot, where they came, Moshe. they stood themselves in front of Moshe, as well as in front of Elazar, who was at that point now the Kohen Gadol, and in front of the Nesim, in the entire Jewish community, and they stood at the entrance to Elmoid, and they said as follows, that our father died and he had no sons, and what do we do with the inheritance? Why should we lose out a portion in Eretz Yisrael? So the Sifri brings a debate between two opinions. These two opinions will be really central to our conversation. And they say, the, firstly, the Sifri asks the question, The order of the Pasuk is strange. They asked Moshe, and then it sounds like after that they went to ask Elazar. So if Moshe didn't know, how would Elazar know? So, therefore, the first suggestion the Sifri makes is, Actually, you have to understand you have to darshan the Pasuk and understand it in reverse order, that they first went to Elazar and then they went to Moshe, and that's Divrei Rabbi Yoshia. There's another opinion, No, everybody was sitting together in the Beis HaMedrash, and the daughters of Tzlovchad appeared in front of the entire crowd in the Beis HaMedrash, and that gives us a different perspective. It doesn't mean that they first asked Moshe and then others. Now, the same debate is quoted by the Sifri in two different places. Aleph and Parashas, with the story of the question of those who lost out the opportunity to bring the Korban Pesach and that eventually resulted in the Pesach Sheni, that's recorded in Pasha Baloischa. Ephem Pasuk of Moshe, Aaron, same kind of thing. The Pasuk says they brought the question in front of Moshe and then in front of Aaron. So again, Rabbi Yosha says switch it around. Abachanin says they were sitting in a base of Medrash. And the third is Beis and Pasha's Makosha Shaitzim in Pasha's Shlach, Ephem Pasuk, Vayakrivoiso El Moshe, Vel Aaron, Vakol Haeda, with the story of the person who was caught chopping wood on Shabbos, nobody knew how he was supposed to be executed. There also the question <coughs> was brought in front of Moshe and Aaron. Uh, again, Rabbi Yosha says, switch around the order. Abachonin says they were all sitting together in the base of Medrash. That's the Sifri. Let's have a look at Rashi, because Rashi does something unusual. We see something strange in Rashi. When Rashi addresses this question of the order of who the question was posed to in the story of the Pesach Sheni, he says as follows, Both Moshe and Aaron were sitting in the Beis HaMedrash, and then these people came to ask the question, and it obviously wouldn't make any sense to say that first they asked Moshe and then Aaron, because if Moshe wouldn't have had the answer, how would Aaron have had the answer? So there Rashi clearly goes with the opinion of Abachonon, they're sitting in the Beis HaMedrash. In the story of the Mekosha Sheitzim in Pasha Shlach, where the question apparently is posed to Moshe and Aaron and the entire community, is Rashi gone at Mepharsh? Rashi doesn't say a word. And in our parasha, he brings both opinions and he quotes their names, which he doesn't do in Pashas Bahadloischa. Question is, why? Three identical circumstances and three totally different approaches. Maybe the easiest one to answer would be the one in Pasha Shlach. 
Maybe you'll excuse the fact that Rashi doesn't address this in Parsha Shlach by saying, Because he's just spoken about it in Parsha's Baloischa and told us that Moshe and Aaron were sitting together in the Beis HaMedrash when they asked the question about Pesach Sheni. So you'll realize the same thing must have happened with the Makosha Seitzim because it's just one Parsha later and fine. <coughs> but the fact that Rashi brings two opinions in our parasha and quotes them both by name, that is particularly strange. Because the fact in Parshas Baloischa, Rashi is satisfied with just a simple answer. Moshe and Aaron are sitting together in the base of Midrash. That actually makes sense. Because Rashi wants to stick with a Pshat. And the explanation that is closest to Pshat is the explanation of Abachonin that Moshe and Aaron are sitting together in the base of Midrash. One thing's for sure, that to suggest that we reverse the order of how a Pasuk is presented is that's definitely not aligned with Pshat. Rabbi Yoshi himself says it when he introduces this, this possibility. He says, that it's drush, that it's not in the world of Pshat. So that makes sense. We get parashas Baloischa, we get why Abachonin is there. The big question is our parasha. Look at how Rashi treats this issue in our parasha. The fact that Rashi quotes both opinions, Rabbi Yoshe included, means that Rashi feels that Rabbi Yoshe's suggestion that you have to reverse the Pasuk in the order of the Pasuk in order to understand it actually suits the Pshat of our Pasuk. That's very strange. This there is noch starker der Mit, was Rabbi Yosef's Pirish is a noch Maktim zum Pirish von Abachonin. And even more surprising is the fact that out of the two opinions, Rashi first gives us Rabbi Yosef's opinion, which appears to be the one less inclined to Pshat. Why bring that one first? Noch mehr, even furthermore. In Pashas Baloischa, there are only two options of who the question was posed to, Moshe and Aaron. So if you were to use Rabbi Yosha's approach and say, switch the order of the Pasuk, it's easy, just switching Moshe and Aaron. But in our Pasha, there are a list of people. So there's three possibilities. Then, if you're going to go with Rabbi Yosha's opinion, which is to say, reorder the, the Pasuk, there are now three people to interchange inter, uh, with each other. So that's already further from Pshat. You're going to now jumble up the Pasuk with three elements that have to be changed, you know, order-wise. And this is where Rashi suggests that Rabbi Yoshia is a viable opinion according to Pshat. And the first? All right, let's try and answer, see if it works. Maybe we could have explained the difference between Rashi's approach in Baloischa to only quote Abakhanin's opinion that they were in the Beis HaMedrash, as opposed to our parasha where he brings both opinions Maybe that's Fabunen, Mitten Shine Haloshen in Dipsukim, but because there's a difference, maybe it's linked to the fact that there's a difference in the wording of the two Psukim. 
In Parsha Baloisra state nor. Parsha Baloisra says simply, Lifnei Moshe, Lifnei Aaron. That this was presented in front of Moshe and in front of Aaron without giving us any location. <coughs> Is the Ribbon Mistavalai Pshutu Shomikra? So the Pshat would support the argument. Two people sitting together, it's likely that they're sitting in a Beisam Medrash. So Rashi's happy to use that as the explanation. But maybe he's a little bit more hesitant to use that explanation in our parasha. Why? Because our parasha says that it's Moshe, Aaron, the Nasim, and the entire community. <laughs> Where's the entire community going to fit in a Beis HaMedrash? Is the far Rashi don't need me first, but Pirishoshim Voikri, as we may say, maybe that's the reason Rashi doesn't want to prioritize an argument that says they're all sitting in the base of Medrash. Valbe Pashtos is Nichaychas Koleidos Ozain in Beis Hamedrash because it doesn't seem logical if you want to know the Pshat to say the entire community is sitting in a Beis Hamedrash. Maybe that's why Rashi prefers to stick Rabbi Yosha's opinion in and actually put it first. But that assumes that the whole nation was crowded into the Beis Hamedrash, and that's not necessarily what Kol Ha'edo means at all. In fact, from evidence in our parasha itself. This cannot be the answer. Firstly, there's two reasons. One, one is a parenthetical reason, one is the primary reason. Well, first of all, Still, if that is the explanation, because of the difference in the Pesukim, Rashi should have at least addressed the order in, uh, of Moshe and Aaron in Pasha Shlach, which he doesn't comment on at all. Hey, yois. is a Pasuk Moshev. El Moshev Because that Pasuk also included not only Moshe and Aaron, like in Pasha's Ba'al but also the whole community. Then, obviously, if the whole community is there, the issue we've just raised, Rashi can't rely on the fact that in Parshas Baloischa he said everybody's in the Beis HaMedrash because it was fewer people in Parshas Baloischa. It was just Moshe and Aaron, and here it's everybody. But besides that technical point is Noisif Lozekasha, there's a bigger issue over here, and that is who said Kol Ha'edah means the entire community. Rashi already told us in Parashas Kisiso, how was the transmission of information the, the Torah Shabbal Peh shared with the Jewish people? Well, everybody came in to hear. Well, that indicates that it is possible for the entire community to come in to the so-called base Medrash, whatever forum Moshe was using to teach. Well, if in the normal course of teaching the information that David wanted to impart to the Jewish people, Kolaida could come along to listen, and that's called the base Medrash, well, then in our case over here, it is possible that everybody could be in the base Medrash. You know why? Because everybody is not really everybody. On the time was it? When we use expressions like Rashi has used over there, the entire nation, or like the Pasuk has used over here, the entire assembly or congregation, it <coughs> doesn't literally mean every single Jew who was alive at the time. It's those who wanted to come and learn. Or, or, or like Rashi says in our parasha, as we'll see in a moment. 
So then it's not so far-fetched to say all of these people, Moshe, Aaron, the Nassim, and whoever is included in the term Kol are inside the Beis HaMedrash, because Kol is actually a very specific term. What's, why is it a specific term? Because in our parasha, Rashi actually tells us Kol refers to a specific group. In unser Posuk. Truth is that the simplest explanation would have been like Abachanin to say all the people being addressed over here with this question are in the Beis Hamedrash. Why? Because over here the Pasuk specifically uses the word Eida, not nation. And Rashi has explained multiple times, including in our parasha, that Kola Eida could mean just the Sanhedrin. And if it's just the Sanhedrin with the Nesim and Moshe and Elazar in one space, then we're back to our original question. Why doesn't Rashi just go to the simplest answer, which is they're all together in the Beis HaMedrash, and that's why we're not so worried about the order in which the people are mentioned. And Rashi should have used that as Pirish Rishon Ve'ikri as the first and primary explanation of this Pasuk. But he doesn't. He puts Rabbi Yoshia in as well, and he puts Rabbi Yoshia first, and we have to understand why. Okay, so the first distinction we drew between Baloischa and our parasha is Baloischa does not specify where they got together, and here it tells us how many people there were, which gave the impression that maybe it wasn't in a base Medrash. But now we're going to see even more specifically, our Pasuk actually gives us a location. And this distinction we're about to draw between Parashas Baloischa, where the location is left undisclosed, and our Parashas, where the, where the location is listed, maybe that's the reason why Rashi can't give the same explanation here as he gave in Parashas Baloischa. So, in Parashas Baloischa, it doesn't specify where Moshe and Aaron were in Parashas Baloischa. In Parashas Baloischa, it doesn't specify where Moshe and Aaron were. So Rashi says, we don't know where it is, perhaps it's in the Beis HaMedrash. That would actually be a satisfactory explanation. Whereas our parasha tells us exactly where they were. They were in the entrance of Oyal Moyet. That might well be the reason why Rashi does not want to use as his primary explanation that the, the Jews, <coughs> Moshe and Aaron, etc., are in the Beis HaMedrash, because the Pasuk doesn't say Beis HaMedrash, it says Pesach Oyel Moed. Maybe that's why he first goes for Rabbi Yoshe's opinion that you've got to just juggle around the Pasuk. But it's not a good explanation. Actually, for very logical reasons, where do you think the space Amedrash was, if not at Pesach Moed? Logic says the Beis Amedrash we're referring to and Pesach Moed is actually the same place. 
Because when we refer to the entrance to Oil Moed, we're actually talking about the courtyard of the Mishkan, which is where the Beis HaMedrash was, as Rashi has already told us. We very well know that the primary place of Torah learning is in that same courtyard, right next to the Mizbeach. As Rashi tells us in the beginning of Mishpatim, Shetosim Sanhedrin, where you put the highest court, which is also at that stage the highest learning center of the Jewish community, Eitzel HaMizbeach, next to the Mizbeach. Bemele, Ken Menzogin, has Pesach HaMoyed, meint Beis HaMidrash, and therefore there is no contradiction between the Pesach saying Pesach HaMoyed and Abachonin's explanation that they were sitting in the Beis HaMidrash. And even besides that base, I feel in Tim even if you want to stretch the point. <coughs> as we can need Zogan as their Pasukzomit For whatever reason you want to say this Pasuk, when it says Pesachoid, that's not the same place as the Besa Medrash. Zagufa Taima boy, you'd have to explain why that is the case. Void, And let's say that Pesach Oyomoid is not the Beis HaMedrash, then why does Rashi bring it as one of his, one of his explanations? Rashi should have just said they were all standing together. So in other words, if the question is, who, was the, who did they ask first? We'll say the whole group. <laughs> Rashi doesn't have to tell us that that is in a Beis HaMedrash. He could just rely on the Pasuk saying, it's a Pesach HaMoyed. But Rashi says, also Abachonin's opinion, which is that it's in the Beis HaMedrash, that implies that Rashi is not of the view that Pesach HaMoyed is a different place to the Beis HaMedrash. So, in order to understand all of this, let's try and visualize what's actually going on and ask ourselves the question, what do we actually mean when the Sifri or Rashi says, what were they thinking after, theoretically, if Moshe doesn't have the answer, which he didn't, right, because he had to go consult Hashem, somebody else is going to have the answer. What do you mean somebody else is going to have the answer? So let's focus in on, on that for one moment. What does it mean if Moshe hadn't known? For Pirish Rashi is mashma, if you go with Rashi's view, it implies, as the way the language of the Pasuk is laid out, that is what indicates to us, as the Shaila from the Anashim from that the question, whether it was the question at the time of Pesach Sheni or the question here, the daughters of Slavchod, is Bazundar. It sounds from the Pasuk that the question was asked to a group of people, but one person at a time. Lifnei Moshe, Lifnei but even if you're asking a question to two separate individuals, that could happen in two ways. You could have two people standing in front of you and you're asking the question to both of them, but it's simultaneous. Or you go ask Moshe, he doesn't have the answer, so you go running to Aaron. So therefore, after Rashi has explained in Parshas Ba'aloischa, that in that case, it was that that was a scenario where the two of them were sitting together, Moshe and Aaron, and the people who wanted to bring the Pesach offering but couldn't address the question to them. There Rashi's clear that this could not have been a scenario where they presented the question first to Moshe and subsequently to Aaron. 
So he says, You cannot suggest that. Because logic says, if Moshe would not have had the answer, how would anybody expect that Aaron would have had the answer? So Rashi appears to be doing something similar in our parasha because what does he say? Is it possible if Moshe hadn't had the answer that Elazar would have? That implies that, uh, that Rashi wants us to be clear about the fact they never thought to first ask Moshe and then ask Elazar. <coughs> Beyond that, even, even more so. Look how Rashi does this. He takes the words out of the Pasuk, that they presented the question to Moshe. Rashi then adds his own words. And after that, they went in front of Elazar. Which seems to be that Rashi's highlighting as the word that Rashi wants us to see in the Pasuk as if the words were in the Pasuk as if the Torah is telling us the question went to Moshe and afterwards to Elazar let's explain it then in Pasuk had the Pasuk said in front of Moshe and Aaron without the second word Lifnei or in our parasha, if the Pasuk had said that the question was posed to Moshe and Elazar without the word Lifnei in between the two names, then then it would have been clear to us that the question was only posed once and Rashi wouldn't have to explain anything. The question was posed to Moshe and Aaron happened to be there or was posed to Moshe and Elazar happened to be there. And that would imply, imply that, the mission, that the question was really directed towards Moshe. Whoever else is mentioned in Parashas Baaloischa, Aaron, in our parasha, Elazar, is not valid with Moshe. And that's only because, realistically, they happened to be in the room at the time, not because they were the people the question was directed to. And if that were the case, Rashi wouldn't have had to explain anything, but that's not how the Pasuk works. Because the Pasuk added an extra word, that gives us trouble. That is why Rashi has to tell us that the question was directed towards Moshe and independently, even if it was simultaneously, was directed towards Aaron. It's not just the fact that Aaron happens to be sitting there or Elazar happens to be sitting there. So even though the question is directed at two different people, Rashi says it can't be that it was first to Moshe and then he doesn't know the answer. So we go to second best to Aaron or to Elazar. Can't be that. If that you shouldn't think from the order of how the Pasuk tells the story that when they saw Moshe didn't have the answer, they asked the next person. That's what Rashi says. They're both sitting in the base of Medrash. They came to ask the question. Because Rashi is telling us that actually the question was being posed equally simultaneously to both Moshe and to Aaron as a so-called group consultation. And that's because you have to visualize and appreciate how a Beis HaMedrash works, which is what Rashi wants us to know. So how does a Beis HaMedrash work? Beis HaMedrash is an order for Melen Torah Zusammen. 
a base medrash is a unique place. Everybody's learning Torah, and there's an equality between everybody who's learning Torah. It's nitan art vuidin fazamlin zech teherin Torah halocha drash of chayotze bezefun achochem. A base medrash is not a description of a place where you come listen to the authority, the Rosh Hashiva, the great person who's going to tell you things unequivocally. These are the halochas, etc. Sure, in the base medrash there are some very qualified people and there is a level of hierarchy. There is a person who heads up the base medrash. And on the other hand, there are people who are, are, are only in the position of students, which is obviously less authoritative. And needless to say, there are different tiers of students. The purpose and the ethos and atmosphere of a Beis HaMedrash is It's a place where everybody hears the question, everybody weighs in, everybody picks it apart. It's an, an equal space, it's an horizontal environment. Therefore, you can understand that if a question is raised in the Beis HaMedrash, as opposed to going to a poisek to ask a question, the, the mechanism of how you ask a question in a Beis HaMedrash is really different to how you ask a question to an authority. If you have a question for the Rav, for a Dayan, for the Beisdin, then, even if there happen to be many students standing around when you pose that particular question, is moving as they shy very It's pretty clear. You're in a basin, you're asking the question of the authority of the basin. Doesn't matter how many Talmudim are sitting and observing. So you don't want to hear from the Talmudim, you want to hear from the basin, you want to hear from the Rav. But the moment you ask a question in the Yeshiva setting, is the givenet, is the givenet, you naturally are directing your question at whoever is sitting there, not just the person who presides. Everybody has now an invitation to analyze this question and to weigh in on the question. That's what Rashi is telling us in Pashas Ba'aloischa. Kishashneim Yoishvim Be'Beis HaMedrash. Moshe and Aaron are sitting in the Beis HaMedrash. Bo'ushu'olum, the people looking for an opportunity to bring the current Pesach. Come and ask the Beis HaMedrash for insight. Dos was Aaron od Geher Dishayla. The fact that Aaron hears the question being posed to Moshe. Is dos der Farvoz Ezanim Be'de Givene Ungelent Teirot Ezanim Be'Beis HaMedrash. Is in the setting where they, Moshe and Aaron, are learning Teirot together in, 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 a, in a sense of equality. So therefore the question is being posed to both of them equally. It's towards Moshe and it's towards Aaron because it's a Beis HaMedrash Shaila which goes towards whoever is sitting in the Beis HaMedrash. That's why when Rashi in our parasha quotes Abichonin, which he uses as his second explanation to suggest that Moshe and Elazar and the Nesim, etc. are in the Beis HaMedrash, his wording changes from the wording of the Pasuk. The Pasuk said, Pesach Oyel Moed, and Rashi said, he, he emphasizes they're sitting in a Beis HaMedrash. The Beis HaMedrash over there is not a description of the location, it's a description of the atmosphere. It's because Rashi wants in that second 
explanation to explain that they're sitting in the Beis HaMedrash context or neat and them prat as is any given zusammen, rather than just saying they happen to be in the same location ah they're in a Beis HaMedrash so there's no question why the, it's posed Lifnei Moshe Lifnei Elasa Lifnei Anasim because that's how a Beis HaMedrash works the question is put to everybody who's sitting in that learning atmosphere okay so if that's how Rashi explains Beis HaMedrash that will help us understand why in our parasha he doesn't put it as the first explanation and instead favors Rabbi Yoshe's explanation. <coughs> Even though we think that the concept of reordering a pasuk is the furthest thing from Shat. Well, now we'll understand why Rashi doesn't put it as the first explanation. Why? Because we've got to determine what is pshat according to understanding of the context, and what is pshat according to the words of the pasuk. Rashi learned, as mit Rashi says, when the Torah tells us pesach that's where they were standing. Is the pasuk is given. Rashi is saying, if you're going to explain that it's bebeis hamedrash, then pesach is actually not a key part of the pasuk. What am I not coming? What's the difference where the base of Medrash was? It's just telling us how they all came together. It happens to be the place of gathering. Ah, but here's the point. If I'm looking at the pshat of the words of the pasuk, Pesach is not wording that indicates a base of Medrash or a style of learning. It indicates a place of assembly. And normally when you assemble in that place, it's to listen to the authority who's going to tell you things. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to tell you, this is what Hashem told me. Kumtais. As in unser Pasuk, is bepashtoi, nitenyum from bebeis ha-medrash oyu, no peschayumoyit kenal oyu. Ah, so if I'm looking at the words of the Pasuk, then the pshat is not, they were in a context of learning. The pshat is, they were in a place where Moshe, the authority, gathers everybody together to tell them unequivocally, these are the way that things should work. And if that's the case, then how do you, how do you ask the question to anybody else? You're coming to the Rav. So you could really try and stretch it and say, the reason it says Pesach because that is a place of gathering. That's really only to explain the last part of the Pasuk that the whole nation was there. So you tell me it's a place of gathering. That's why everybody is there. So in other words, we could try and explain it this way. Moshe and all the leaders, including Elazar, they're in a Beis HaMedrash. And therefore, because in the Beis HaMedrash, when the daughters of Tzlafchad posed their question, they're posing it to the team. As you do in a Beis HaMedrash, as we have explained. And at the same time, the rest of the community is standing outside at the entrance, or whether it's outside or alongside, in a Matzav Shalakola, congregated, and why are they there? Because they want to hear what the halacha is. They want to hear what the response is going to be to Tzlafchad. Hey, it's a bit of a stretch to say that. Maybe more than a little bit of a stretch. It's a big stretch just to mechalak zayn and pasuk, to start breaking up a pasuk. Some of the people mentioned in the pasuk, the so-called leadership, they're sitting in the Beis HaMedrash. And in the same pasuk, with a vav, which refers to everybody else, no, they're actually standing somewhere, somewhere else. That doesn't flow very well. So the pshat of the words of the pasuk don't work very well. 
The Rebbe brings Rashi as the Empirish Horizon for Ikris Sari Zamikra. Therefore, Rashi would very much like to say that the answer is Akabachanin. Like he said in, um, in Prashat Baloisko, that, you know, it's, it's a place of base Medrash, and therefore the question is asked equally to everybody, except it doesn't work with the words of the Pesukim. Pesach now we're splitting Kolaida from everybody else. It just doesn't make sense. Therefore, Rashi prefers to say Sarei Samikra. As Das was the Pasuk Zaklifne Moshe, Velifne Lazarakoin, Velifne Anasim. The fact that the Pasuk says the question was posed to Moshe and it was posed in front of Elazar and it was posed in front of the Nasim is Vamahotzak Efrek Zachazeh. Now, the Seid Ashai is Fakeret Vida Seid in Pasuk. Actually, the Pasuk does mean that the question was posed to different groups of people, <coughs> but not in the order that it appears. First to the Nasim, they didn't have the answers, so then to Elazar, he didn't have the answer, then to Moshe. So the advantage of this is I don't have to change the words of the Pasuk. And the Shverkat is blazing them about the Pasuk and them The only question that I have is why didn't the Torah list the correct words in the order in which it happened? So in other words, I don't want I don't have to now reinterpret Pesach Moed. I don't have to reinterpret that Moshe Lazar and the Nesim are in one place and the Edo is in another place. But I do have the niggling issue of why didn't the Torah just say uh, in the correct order that the questions were actually asked. One of the questions we asked at the beginning is, not only does Rashi bring both opinions in our parasha, but he actually gives us the names, and Rashi doesn't usually give us the names unless that's going to add insight. Why here does he quote the names of Rabbi Yosef Abachonon? So, Madgish Zayin as the Tzvedeus, Vitzah Tzatayich and Pasuk is because Rashi wants, to, wants us to know that the two different versions of how you interpret this Pasuk are not simply about this Pasuk. Whether the best solution is to change around the order that the words appear. As in Ein und which suggests that it is possible in a single Pasuk to have words that are not presented in the chronological order. Or would we rather change our understanding of the words of the Pasuk rather than to rearrange the order of the Pasuk? Those two views is not only something which is in context of this particular Pasuk. This is actually a thematic perspective that both Rabbi Yosha and Abachonon use in other places as well. In fact, if you do your research, you see that there are quite a number of places, as Rabbi Yosha Zok, that Rabbi Yosha's approach to solving an issue in a Pasuk is to say, we've got to rearrange the order in which the Pasuk appears. And Abachonon will always prefer to use a way to explain the Pasukim that is not exactly according to the simplest explanation, rather than reverse the order of the Pasuk. So now that we understand what's happening, because in Parashat Baloischa, we didn't have to play with the words of the Pasuk, so it's easier to say it was a base Amedrash and the Pasuk was, uh, sorry, and the question was, po- was posed to both Moshe and Aaron simultaneously. Whereas in our Pasuk, it's difficult to say that. So that's why Rashi, Rashi first puts Rabbi Yoshia. With that information, let's have a look at Parashat Shlach with the Makosha Shaitim, why Rashi doesn't say anything at all. So what is the real issue that's being discussed in these psukim? The fact that Yidin went with a question that they had, not just to Moshe, but 
to Aaron and Nochen Fringer by Moshe Rabbeinu. The simplest way to understand it is it sounds like they went after having asked Moshe Rabbeinu and not having received an answer. Then they went to Aaron. That's a big question. It is a question that doesn't even begin in the story of the Makoshesh because once we understand the nature of their question, we'll see this is not a big deal. Rashi Zokt. Rashi tells us in the story of the guy who broke Shabbos, they didn't know which is the appropriate execution for him. But they did know that a person who wantonly desecrates Shabbos, it, it's a capital offense. Why did they bring this case in front of Moshe and Aaron and the community or the Sanhedrin? It's not because they were asking, what is the halacha? Guilty or not? Execution or not? They actually came to hand him over to the authorities, so to speak. That the authorities or the community at large would be able to carry out the, the judgment and the, the punishment that was required. So in other words, they weren't saying, uh, you know, let's, let's ask the halakhic question, does he deserve to die? They know he deserves to die. So now we're handing him over to those who have the power to execute him to work out in which way they should do so. So if that's what they're looking for, then it's not a big deal that they see Moshe, Aaron, and everybody, so to speak, in the same light. Because the story is a story of handing somebody over to the communal authorities, of which Moshe is obviously a part, but so is Aaron, and so is the whole Sanhedrin. And that will also give us insight into another case that's actually quite similar to the case of the person who broke Shabbos. Which case is that? In the parashas Mekalal, but parashas Emer, we know that there's also some ambiguity when it comes to punishing the person who cursed Hashem's name, recorded in parashas Emer at the end, where the pasuk says, "Vayavioisal Moshe, not to Moshe alone." There it says that they only brought him to Moshe, no Aaron, no no Kol Ha'ida, and Rashi doesn't discuss it. But here in the movement, it seems strange. The Mekayishish and the Mekalal are given by Perak Echad, where Rashi Zokdorten. Rashi immediately informs us over there that these two. Uh, incidents, uh, the, the, the incident of the person who broke Shabbos and the incident of the person who cursed Hashem happened in a similar time period. Savos by Mekabel, by Mekalel is Davor given not to Moshe, and by the Mekesha to Moshe Varim Cholo So, how come if they're happening simultaneously, is the question of the person who curses Hashem only presented to Moshe, and the question of the person who breaks Shabbos is presented to everybody? Well, actually, now we know it's really simple. Look at Rashi. Will make sense. Rashi Rashi tells us there. Everybody knew that the person who breaks Shabbos has to be executed. But they just didn't know which form of execution. But it, with the story of the person who cursed Hashem, Moshe had to investigate the halacha. They didn't know if cursing Hashem's name is a capital offense or not. In other words, but the Mekalbel is given an for Nashal in Halocha. The Mekalel, we have a question of Halocha. Tsiers Mechuyim Misa or the Nit? Is he or isn't he Chayav Misa? His movement has been Dafzich Vendan to Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, if you have a question in Halocha, you go to the basin, you go to the ultimate Rav of the time, to the Poisik, to Moshe Rabbeinu, and nobody else. Whereas the person who broke Shabbos, we know the Halocha, he is Chayav Misa. Now we only have a question of who's got the authority and how they're going to carry it out. Let's bring him, hand him over to the community. This all has a deeper message too. 
The Tam Pnimi Favos Rashi bring the Pirushim Dafka by the Parsha for Pesach Sheni or Parsha Spnei Slavchad. There's a deeper reason to why Rashi only comments on this question of whether or not they posed whether they asked somebody after Moshe Rabbeinu or not. <coughs> Rashi only records that in the story of Pesach Sheni and the story of Bnei Slavchad or Nit Beparshas Mekoshes Sheitzim, and not in the story of the guy who broke Shabbos. It's because of the nature of how these two parashiyas played out. They both are stories of the power of Jewish input. How the Abishta waits and wants us to contribute. And when we do, it has such a profound impact on Torah. The Chidosh and Yitzvei parashiyas is what both parashas Pesach Sheini and B'nai Slavchad bring to the table is both of them created a response from Hashem due to an initiative or an agitation from people. What precipitated Pesach Sheni? People complaining. How could we be pushed aside and not have the opportunity to bring a Karm Pesach? It bothered them. Likewise, with the daughters of Slavchad, who bothered them too. You can have the same language. Why, why should our family be rejected? Give us a portion in the land also. As a result, they were given the entire halacha of inheritance. This principle of of us being able to invoke something from Hashem that wasn't originally part of, a Torah, of the Torah, that links in to Rabbi Yosha and Abachanan's opinions. In other words, whether you reorganize a Pasuk or whether this is a, 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 an interaction that happened in a Beis HaMedrash, they both carry the same thing. Both views emphasize the value and greatness of human beings learning Torah. Think about this. We have the power to reorganize a Pasuk. We've got a scenario over here where the Eibishter presented a Pasuk, which you would think is the most pristine version of Torah, and yet we don't understand the Pasuk. And yet we are empowered to rearrange the Pasuk so that it becomes clear. It's an amazing gift that David has given us. Likewise, if you're going to say that this is <coughs> a story of them being in the Beis HaMedrash, when people are learning in a Beis HaMedrash, that highlights human input, human endeavor in Torah. Right? The greatness of the physical reality. Whereas if you were going to focus on the fact that everybody's gathered in front of Oyel Moyed, that means they came Herent Varashem Alide Moshe, Hakel Esaom Bishnasakil, Herent Varashem Alide Americh Vachayetzibose. That would all indicate the pristine word of Hashem coming channeled from on high through Moshe, or at the time of Hakel through the king. If you're talking about Pesach Oyel Moyed, you're talking about Hashem's greatness, we just happen to be the audience. In fact, the ultimate definition of a Beis HaMedrash is that it cannot go by without innovation of Torah. Through the, the mental gymnastics, the, inter, the interaction, <coughs> the debate. That 
precipitates new insights in Torah that were not originally included. This is very similar to the advantage of the oral over the written Torah. The written Torah, that's the pristine presentation of how it comes from on high, and it's immutable. But you don't see the detail. What? What do you tie on your arm? When do you tie them? What are they? What do you write on your door? When you have the oral Torah, that's human endeavor, us working to understand and extrapolate and pass down the traditions. And through that, to the extent, like the Rebbe Hashab says in Hemshech Samechavov, that the truth of Torah is that there are elements that were innovated through Torah Shabbat that we bring an asmachta, we have to bring support from a pasuk to show that it's actually genuine because it's not something which is, so to speak, from the original. And that's the beauty of these two stories. They both speak about the empowerment that Hashem has given us that we can add to the Torah. And that would also, okay, so now that we understand that there are these two possibilities, that the Beis HaMedrash represents human endeavor and reordering a Pasuk represents human endeavor, now we'll understand why in Parshat Ba'aloischa, Rashi only brings the Beis HaMedrash, whereas in our Parshat, he brings both. In the story of Pesach Shein, in Parshat Ba'aloischa, Rashi only offers the possibility that they were sitting in a Beis HaMedrash to indicate the human input. Whereas in our parasha, with the daughters of Tzlovchad, Rashi not only quotes both opinions, but he puts the Sareis Mikra, the reordering of the Pasuk, as the primary explanation. Why? In spite of the fact that both of these explanations indicate the greatness of human endeavor, the difference between reordering a Pasuk and sitting in a Beis HaMedrash is as follows. When we talk about reorganizing a Pasuk, our focus is still on the words as they are in the Torah. Whereas when I talk about the Beis HaMedrash, I'm highlighting the fact that there's a learning process going on, and through that learning process, we will arrive at the innovative perspective that we need. In Pasuk Pesach Sheni, with that in mind, when we talk about the story of Pesach Sheni, everybody understands that because they complained, a new law was introduced to Judaism called Pesach Sheni. A brand new parasha was stated in the Torah. So therefore, Rashi says, well, you know what's going to tell us that story? The fact that Moshe and Aaron are sitting in a Beis HaMedrash because a Beis HaMedrash is a place where you introduce new halachas, where you get these fresh perspectives. And that's exactly what happened in that story. That's not what happened with the story of Nois Slavchad. In the case of Nois Slavchad, Rashi Dafka tells us that Moshe temporarily could not recall the halacha. That halacha had already been presented. It was already in writing. There's already a mikra. So what that means is that thanks to B'nai Slavchad, information that had already been presented to Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, in a way of Torah Shabbat now actually gets recorded in the Torah <coughs> as a parasha. 
So it's not a new mitzvah that's being introduced. It's a mitzvah that was hidden from view that's now going to be written thanks to them. As durch zei is the halacha nocham on his galig varn to Moshe, and damos fashibin gevarn in ter. Thanks to the daughters of Tzlavchad, Moshe is reminded of the halacha, and therefore the halacha is recorded. On the ribes the pirsha yishem vaikris saris amikra. So what represents that? Taking a mikra information that already exists and reworking it. As das is fashibin gevarn an neifun vas is matuk shiminin for nabi desamato. You're writing the pasuk. You're writing it differently. Before the Pasuk was, so to speak, in Moshe's knowledge alone. And now you're rewriting. So what, what, what's happening over here is we're emphasizing that our efforts reveal something that had to be, um, or that had been hidden within Torah. But there is a view that says differently. Rashi is the one who says Moshe knew the halacha and temporarily couldn't recall it. But there's a different opinion that says, even in the Sifri, that says that the parasha of Nachlois, of inheritance, was introduced thanks to the daughters of Tzlovchad in the same way as Pesach Sheni was introduced thanks to the people who complained. So if that's the case, bring to reflect that opinion, Rashi also quotes the view of Abachanan that there's a Beis HaMedrash happening over here. Beis HaMedrash means where we introduce something that was not there originally. So they bench us, just like the daughters of Tzlavchad who complained that they needed inheritance and therefore that introduced from on high the parasha of inheritance. <coughs> Not just the parasha of inheritance in theory, but most importantly the fact that it was translated into action which means the fact that they were actually given a piece of Eretz Yisrael. So the same thing should happen for us. Now that we're at the end of Golos, the, the request that we consistently ask of Hashem to send Mashiach quickly. That we should see the return to Yerushalayim with our own eyes. That should bring down the ultimate gula. In which case, each one of us will have very clearly and revealed our portion in Eretz Yisrael. And this will be a unique division of the land of Israel, which Abishta will do himself. It should happen immediately.